I'm on the show. Hey. Absolute normie. <laughs> How's it going, bro? Oh, my gosh. How's everybody? <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. You know, I've been reading. Uh, <laughs> dude, you know what's funny? You know? I've been, uh, I have only read like half a book since the Big Bang because I just can't read anymore. <laughs> I would try to read once in a while because before I had this condition of I wanted to be really smart and really intelligent and really creative. That was one of the, the conditions I totally let go of. If I wake up tomorrow morning and had an IQ of 75, I would not give a fuck at all. I'd be like, okay, okay, IQ, what is that? <laughs> Who cares, right? But before I was really obsessed with like gaining knowledge and trying to be have a big brain and stuff, I'll read three hours a day, I'll go to the clubs. And even when I go to the clubs, I'll wait in line. I'll have like a book of philosophy reading like Wittgenstein. And while I was waiting to go to the club and fuck girls to satisfy both like my intellectual desire and my sexual desire. But from the perspective of the natural state, which is what we're going to talk about, they're actually all the same thing. But I just randomly went and picked up this book from my closet yesterday, Philip K. Day. Baby, baby. And the, dude, it's so weird. After realization, everything that you picked up has something that's that has the the fruit of the um, the state in it. it. Has I mean, why not, right? Because everything is made up of it, right? But some books are more direct than others. So let me just read you one quote that pretty much is gonna sum up a lot of what we're gonna talk about. There's so many good quotes in here. Um, and movies too. I don't know, man. Netflix. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. Almost every show on Netflix, you can extrapolate and be like, this is non-duality. This is spirituality. This is about um, emptiness, God realization, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, listen to this. Eternity is a kind of measure, but to be measured belongs not to God. Therefore, it does not belong to him to be eternal. <laughs> That's fucking deep, bro. One more. Just think, thousands of people unified. No one possessing Frank. <laughs> I read like 10 pages and there's only like three quotes in there that pretty much sums up everything we're gonna talk about. So anyway, so sorry for that rambling. You, the, dur during the second quote on my end, at least you cut out. Can you just repeat the second quote, just in case? Wait, are you frozen or what? Can you hear me? On my end, you cut out while you were <laughs> Bro, reading you're the second quote. We will be right back after a short break. <laughs> Bro, what happened? You're just frozen, you're smiling, and I thought you were just smiling. <laughs> Oh, wow, okay, 
you froze during the reading of the second quote. So reread the second quote for us. Okay, so, okay, fine. Okay, so everything else before that was okay, you can edit it, right? Yeah, except we're not gonna edit it, but yeah. But, but, <laughs> all right, all right, that's fine. But, but it's not gonna, people are not gonna wait for five minutes, right? Yeah. Okay, so we had a little technical difficulty. We had a little succession in here. <laughs> okay, so here, here's a quote. Want to come? You'll be exciting. Just think, thousands of people unified into one entity, the UT, he calls it, which is everyone and no one, possessing absolute knowledge because it has no single limiting viewpoint. Anyway, I just read two quotes from this book that I've been reading that pretty much summarizes everything we're gonna talk about. So it's very interesting. When you disappeared during that cessation, I mentioned to the audience that we were having a minor break until you pop back in. So it works out. <laughs> Great start with those quotes. A little follow-up to that would be, as you all know, Frank has been quite adamant about people reading. Let's see if I can get this to show up. There we go. Adyashanti's The End of Your World. And as Frank mentioned a moment ago, at times it can feel like the attention is not focused and that you can't get through reading. And I would question that and ask yourself, are you propagating a victim script? Oh, I can't read a book anymore. That's a good point. It's a really good point. There's a lot of people promulgating this victim script of I'm, I live in the information age now. I can't read a book, bruh. You recommended this and I read it in two days because I fucking cared to read it. That's all you have to do. If you put a little fire under your ass, you can finish reading, you know, a hundred pages in a day without a problem. But you have to have a little fire under your ass and you actually have to read for like 10 hours of the day and take good notes, highlight good things while you read. But the point is, is that Nisargatata and so many other of the greatest spiritual teachers and mystic traditions have said, desire, earnestness is number one. How fucking bad do you want to know your true nature? That's it. True, very true. So just the only thing, curiosity. Because dude, man, how hard is it to go back to your true nature? It's not that hard, it's right here. It's right in front of you. It's just, it doesn't take 40 years, bro. That's another thing we're gonna talk about, how I think I think one of the reasons why it takes some people 40 years to get to their natural state is because they're stuck in the spirituality paradigm. The yeah, they identified themselves as a seeker. Yes. And if spirituality is all about dissolving conditionings of the separate self, spirituality is a great program for that, right? Spirituality is what I call the meta program. It's the mother of all programs that's used to dissolve all the previous programs. We can list them all. And people will be uh, 
you identify with a lot of them, the CEO program, the NoFap program, the postmodernism program, you know, science program, atheism program, the pickup program, the philosophy program, the science program, the bodybuilding program. You went through them all in life. You're like, holy shit, that doesn't satisfy me. And finally you hop on this whole spirituality program. And now you see things now and you use spirituality as a program to dissolve the other programs. But spirituality itself, after you sort of accumulated all the fruits and all the levels on the, in this game, you acquire all the wisdom, all the jhanas, whatever, all the insights. Spirituality as a whole program must also self-destruct for you to return to the natural state. That's right. It's a good segue into jumping into the stages. That is, as Frank just described to you, in these short stages, that is this fifth stage, transcending the entire paradigm of spirituality itself, that very natty state, the natural state. So we'll go ahead and pull up towards this long definition of the stages first and a brief entry into that. We're just going to mention that each stage has three levels. There's the more intellectual, there's the experiential, and the realized. And it's important to be sincere and honest with which level you are at with each stage. So let's go ahead and have Frank kick us off with the stages defined long. Okay, let's do it. So um, before I go into the stages, I just want to remind people that all those stages are just references. Uh, just like the quote that I read, nothing can, no labels can touch this. Um, but during the path, it's very valuable to have stages. It, I mean, it helped myself and a lot of other people. And if you look at a lot of different research about the different stages of waking that actually people go through, like worship Jeffrey Martin, or even the Theravada four path model, or the, the models that are you know uh, advocated by people like Daniel Ingram, or whatever tradition that you're in, there's always going to be some kind of stages in there, except for the really radical non-dual teachers. But usually people do go through different stages of unfoldment. And uh, the stage where we're going to talk about, if you really want to match it, you can match it to any school, any tradition, and it will make sense. Uh, stage number one is ego state, stage of separation. Basically, you're identifying yourself with this character inside the Mitsu. Your sense of identity or sense of self is behind the eyes, inside the head, or somewhere in the Mitsu. You're contracted, you're separated from the rest of the environment. There's a huge gap between the subject and the object, okay? Second stage, you have the awareness and consciousness phase. This is where I would say 95% of mainstream spiritual teachers talk about. They tell you to abide in awareness. They tell you that your true self is awareness or abide in consciousness or witness observer, whatever. The reason for that is because after you see through that the ego is an illusion, that it's just a fabrication, you have to move your sense of identity to a larger ground after you have more spiritual openings and glimpses. And then you sort of disidentify from the ego and now your identification is with this new ground of awareness and consciousness. Now this is a very vast, infinite, spacious field. Almost, but there's still an observer here. There's still someone that's observing the ego, 
And the next step is to unplug even that, to dissolve even the observer, to be aware of awareness, to witness the witness, observe the observer. And if you can witness anything or observe anything, you can still disidentify from it. You can still objectify it. And you realize that the observer is just actually more solidified sensations in the field of experience that's taking credit for nature or the universe. At first, it was the ego taking credit for it. You have this huge block of solidity, like a marble, taking credit, trying to take credit for infinity. And then awareness trying to take credit for infinity. So now your new identification is awareness. And the reason people ask you to abide awareness is not, this is a very important point, it's not to create a new identity out of awareness and be like, I am awareness. I mean, that is a better, more spacious identity than the ego, but it's still an identity. After you unplug even awareness, you dissolve even the observer, you move into the third stage, which is what I call the, the God stage. Uh, this is the infinity stage, you know, the creator, being, Christ consciousness, Atman, big self, true self, love, existence, the universal mind. And this third stage is what I call the pinnacle of spirituality. The pinnacle of spiritual experiences anyway, maybe not the pinnacle of spirituality, but the pinnacle of human and spiritual experiences. And a lot of people think this is it, which it could be. I mean, every stage is complete in and of itself. Don't get me wrong. Every single stage, every aspect of the jewel, the multiplicity of jewel of enlightenment is complete. So we're not really making a hierarchy, it's more like horizontal. Anyway, at the, at the third stage, we identify with the Godhead, with the universal mind. But there is still a very subtle, very subtle identification. Because even at this point, at this stage, the separation hasn't been completely dissolved. So you feel like you're merging with the divine. As long as there's merging, there's still a very subtle sense of duality. So that's why I want to make a very clear distinction between you as a separate uh, person experiencing the divine versus just the divine recognizing itself. Universe fucking itself versus you trying to fuck the universe. There is a big distinction there. Anyway, so after the third stage, we move on to nothingness. After expansion, what do we get? We did contraction. This whole process is about expansion and contraction. After you expand to infinity, you shrink down from the big bang to the big crunch, down to the singularity of nothingness, emptiness, nirvana, non-being, or Brahman, death, non-existence. So basically three and four are two sides of the same coin. So at this phase, um, you have this very nebulous sense of self, total loss of identity, where the third stage, you go around saying, hey, I am God. And the second stage, you're hey, bro, I'm consciousness. Don't you get it? <laughs> I've gone to spirituality, I am consciousness. And the third stage, you, I support consciousness, now I'm God. <laughs> and the fourth stage, you, there's nothing like you said. You said, hey, I, no, I don't, I don't even know what I'm anymore. Total loss of identity. You have this really vague, nebulous sense of self that you can't define at all. And this is kind of like the stuff that Buddha talks about, uh, the emptiness, the originations, where you disidentify from even um, God consciousness. Because if you can be aware of God consciousness, if you can experience God consciousness, 
is still an object within your field of experience that you can still disidentify and objectify and make it not self and not this, not that. So we're doing self-inquiry along the way, right? Um, and after this phase, you slip into the natural state. Now, this is very, very tricky because stage three and four, a lot of people would get stuck in a stage thinking this is it, which again, I completely understand because I've been there. And again, each stage is complete, but there's more to the picture. There's more to the facet, different jewels of enlightenment. The nothingness phase, um, if you can still experience this very subtle sense of loss, sense of self, so to speak, there's still an experience there. If there is an experience, you can still witness it and objectify from it. And after you disidentify and disembed all the previous stages, spontaneously you move to this fifth stage, what I call true no self or the natural state, the Tao. So this stage not only transcend all the other stages, it includes them as well, because the only way to truly embody something is to disidentify from it. If you let go of it, it becomes yours even more fully. And all the previous stages, all the experiences, all the mind-blowing experiences you had, that can be experienced even more fully, paradoxically, without the experiencer in the middle. And this is the whole process, is to dissolve the center point. If you want to boil this down to the, I guess, the microscopic level, it's all about dissolving sensations. And the last piece of sensation to get dissolved from solidity to emptiness it's usually somewhere in the center, in the head. Before it was in the body, but then you keep shedding, 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 and then it was in the head. And even if this last little bit of speck of sensation is as tiny as an atom, it's still going to project itself onto a new ground. And the smaller this atom is, the bigger this ground is. And to get to a natural state, you have to dissolve not just the ego, but the background as well. The background that gets created from the separate state and say, oh, even though my identity is this tiny little thing here that I can't even find in the middle of my experience, that's still gonna try to hang on to some sort of a ground, some sort of a source like Brahman or like Godhead. And very subtly, you're still gonna think, hey, I am Brahman or I am Godhead. This is just the Godhead. This is why Adya Shante um, said that, uh, not, not Adya Shante, we'll get to Adya Shante later, but this is what I said. <laughs> If realizing true self of no self is like perceiving the world without the eyeball, because the eyeball can't see itself, but you can see everything else. So if you really truly recognize no self, you're not going to be able to experience or even see the no self. If you still have the sense of, oh, I'm looking for the self, but I can't find it. Oh, it's infinite. That's still not true no self. Because true no self, there's nothing you can say about it. But the eyeball that nothing can be said about, can see things. And the manifestation of this, what it sees, you can describe and there's infinite uh, levels to the manifestation. Um, if that's finding out your true self, uh, an eyeball that can't see itself, another analogy that's similar is a mirror versus no mirror. First, you have a source, you perceive the world as Phenomena arising and passing out of a mirror. The mirror could be any ground that you encounter in the path, could be consciousness or awareness or the God mind. But after you truly dissolve separation, if the ego is gone, so is the so is the mirror, so is the sword, so is the ground. So you have to deconstruct even the background. 
You have to do self-inquiry with the self, the small self, with the ego, and then you have to do self-inquiry with the big self. You have to do self-inquiry with the God mind. But to do that, you first have to access the God mind. You have to access and identify with something before you can disidentify from it. So all this, that's why all these different paths have to be sort of go through, you go through each one of them and then you disidentify from them. But by disidentifying from them, you actually disappear into them. And if you disappear into them, you actually manifest them even more fully. So they're only reflections, but no mirror at the end. There's only a manifestation. There's no unmanifested. There's no source, no background. The unmanifested is just something that you imagine. Because how can there be something that's unmanifested if it's non-duality? If this is one thing, right? There's only the manifested. There's no mirror. That's the answer to the Zen koan. What is the sound of one hand clapping? That's that. That's the answer to that koan. <laughs> There's actually a call, there's actually this Dan master, or maybe he, I think he was reading some uh, some poem or some koan that his student wrote. And first, his student was writing about, oh man, the mind is like a mirror. I have to shine the mirror, and everything is just coming in and out of this Buddha mind, this natural mind. But then after that, he realizes, wait a second, this mirror, this Buddha mind is also just a construction. And then he said, there's no mirror. Is <laughs> 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 that fucked up? <laughs> Okay, that was a little. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. A little presentation. It could be helpful for potentially me to do the short version and also unpack the stages with the levels because that's a big way of how I've been experiencing sure. and realizing. Yeah. So to play on what Frank just unpacked for us. All right, before, before we go on, I just want to say one more thing. Mm -hmm. If you find the stage, the stage is very complicated, just remember one thing. This whole spiritual path is about one thing, the solution of the conditions that makes up the separate self. The more you dissolve, the more glimpses of reality, which is formless, gets opened up. And all those mystical experiences that you experience are just a byproduct of this realization itself is not an experience. Bigger this mind blowing field is gonna and the separate self both disappear. Without the subject, there won't be an object. Even the object that is God consciousness eventually dissolves and there's just this <laughs> the absolute normie <laughs> now you're free to put on different lenses of perception as you see fit did we yeah. freeze again you did for a moment but now you're back can you hear me We had another cessation experience. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in.
Thanks for all your love in the comments. Oh man, where did I get caught off again? There's another secession that happened. Sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just saying. <laughs> where did we get caught off? Sweating. Okay. <laughs> you you covered you were finishing covering dissolving the conditions of the separate self being what everything is pointing at. Yeah, so basically the entire spiritual path, if you find this whole map too complex, just remember that the whole process is the solution of the separate self and its condition. That's it. The more you dissolve, the bigger opening you're going to get. That's why the stages of awareness and God and nothingness, whatever, right? Um, so if the separation is completely dissolved, when the subject in the center is completely vanished, so is the background. The background is also going to vanish. So it's not like there is really ultimately no difference between ego, awareness, infinity, and it's all the same. They're just different with configuration and solidity of sensations, which we're going to talk about in a bit what sensations are. But perfect. <laughs> yes, because looking back, let's say 10 years or so for most of us, All of this was present. All five of these were present. Yes, yes. And, and that's always what's so funny. That's why it's the cosmic joke. And we just didn't know that what we were. We didn't know our true nature. And so we thought because we had fallen into the illusion of the contracted separate self-conditioning and identity, which very much so is promulgated by the civilization, by the mainstream, by our family, friends. And even spirituality. Sorry, <laughs> really, I could totally and you start to identify with presence and awareness. <laughs> And there are specific traditions around the planet, especially indigenous lineages, where the child is birthed into recognition of the natural state off the bat, which is really interesting. So the contraction doesn't form, which is really interesting. So when we talk about spirituality and we talk about pedagogies for an awakened civilization, one of the core components of that as we bring these educational platforms into virtual reality and whatnot for kids to experience is in essence, it's the prevention of the egoic separate conditioned self from forming. Correct. And seeing that natural state right off the bat. So 
now that we've sort of been looking back like what we were like about 10 years ago or so, it gives us a better understanding of what this staged system has been over the past 10 years, let's say. And really, it starts off with the question. The bigger your question and the stronger your desire and earnestness to have it answered, the faster you will know your true nature. So the Sufi metaphysic goes, only the ignorant seek what's already there, yet it remains for you to recognize it. So it's already there, but yet it remains for you to recognize it. And so your quality of your life in many ways is the quality of your questions. And so if you start off with the big questions, what is consciousness? What is the nature of reality? Who am I and why am I here? If you just start off with these big picture metaphysical questions, what you will do is you will immediately, you know, Ramana, Papaji have talked about this. You're basically fanning the fire that's burning of this big question, of this big metaphysical question. And so that's what gets you to go, okay, what is God? What is the absolute? What is mysticism, which means union with that? What is that process? Why do I not already feel like I am that? That's a core question. Why do I feel like I am not already that? Why do I feel like I am not already perfect freedom itself? Why has my identity fallen into a separate conditioned self rather than the entirety of life? And so that's a really powerful starting point. And then that's what leads you to, as you go and find all of these different information sources across the mystic traditions and across retreats and across entheogens and across aphorisms and books and all of these profound things, what you're doing is you're slowly, like Frank said, you are deconditioning what you've been conditioned with as this egoic separate self contracted identity. And so slowly in that process of deconditioning, you can go from this first to this second stage. And it's, I typically reference it as a pop because in very many ways, it's, it feels like you've never actually been aware of your awareness or you've never been conscious of consciousness. You were never, you were, Eckhart Tolle talks about it like habitually overlooking or perpetually overlooking the fact that you can see. Like awareness is not profound at all. So I'm just going to focus on objects and perceptions and sensations and desire and dopamine here in a relationship or a that type of mentality. We never were so in awe about the fact that we were conscious, ever. We never noticed that we truly, wow, we have the power to know, the power to know itself. So it's a big pop in a sense into this like, 
oh my gosh, yes. consciousness, awareness, the power to know, holy fuck. Like That's what we call stream entry. Stream entry, yes. Like, like it's so on that in itself is so ineffable because you're like reality is dependent on this power to know it's so unbelievably beautiful we are the designers of the power to know what the and so you know this stream entry where basically it means that upon this you're pretty much guaranteed to continue your way down to the ocean you're pretty much guaranteed. And the more earnestness, the more desire, the more fanning of the flame that you have, the more you'll actually pop into these next stages. But like Frank indicated earlier, it is also a likelihood that you will get be awareness. Just chill. You're good, bro. Your awareness, bro. That's yes. good. Before the, the condition of the separate self is completely uh, dissolved, um, you're always going to find a new identity. And the point of that is to dissolve even more. You have body awareness so you can continue to dissolution of the separate self, not to reattach your identity to that awareness. I mean, of course, in, in emptiness, and you know, even in natural state, of course, I'm, there, there's awareness. Duh, right? But there's a very subtle difference between the self-identifying as awareness versus just awareness being itself. And at the natural state, you're not going to even label your experience as awareness. It doesn't occur to you with the natural state, this is awareness. <laughs> That's why I say you dissolve your awareness. It's not like I'm not aware. It's like, would you ask a dog or a, a cat, what is awareness? Because <laughs> you know about consciousness and awareness, it's something you read from spirituality books or you know, Sam Harris uh, meditation app. They're like, hey, the nature of reality is consciousness. That in itself is just an idea. That in itself is just an idea. It's not, I'm not saying we're not conscious. I'm just saying consciousness is actually just another projection. There's an experience here, sure. Reality, reality is the universe is neither consciousness nor not consciousness. It cannot be defined, not even by consciousness. And if you stay on the ground of consciousness, automatically you're going to pull all those different theories and ideas and experiences about consciousness from stuff that you read. And that process is already building up more conditions. And you get mad at people for not understanding consciousness. You're like, hey, man, everything's conscious. Don't you get it? You're not a person. You're consciousness. And you get mad. And it's not just that you don't get mad at like that. Because you see that it's all, it's, it's, you just don't get mad at stuff like that anymore because you're not attached to the identity of even consciousness. You man, I got. I need to plug this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, and I'll I'll explain. <laughs> going, I'll, going. Yeah, and I'll explain where what you just said is super important and resonant with this short definition. The stages defined short is it's really important to not fall into the crevices along the way, which Adyashanti talks about, like superiority, man. Spiritual ego. Spiritual ego is another one. Yeah, enlightened ego. Yeah. And for example, what happened to me in December when I went from this December 2020, this pop from ego separation, although there was so much of this understanding of 
oneness. So much of it, but not, and this is a great way to talk about how each stage has these levels where you could say that in a sense, my understanding of oneness was very intellectual. And so in December, what happened in this shift, this pop was my first, you could say experiential, true experiential taste of awareness of consciousness. And so what happened also at the same time as this experiential level to the second stage. So you see how we're talking about this now. So it's a level two experiential about stage two awareness. The moment that I popped into that, of course, there was the whole rewiring of the energy of the entity itself crying, just, I can't believe it was here the whole time type thing. But also the ego, it comes back and it makes an identity out of the awareness. It makes an identity. And so if you can be vigilant, if you can be aware of when your ego tries to grasp onto the stages and make a new spiritual identity out of it. And it's a very natural part of the process as Adi Ashanti and so many others in the mystic traditions have talked about. It's just very natural for as you sort of go through these stages to have the ego come back and grasp onto the new achievement and then create a new identity for people to see the entity out of. Oh, because then you're getting your, your child, all those childhood conditionings of separation are now being validated by other people because you have some sort of metaphysical credits now. And so I fell into this trap. That's why I'm speaking about it from experience. And by the way, the same thing happened to me with this. So, um, <clears throat> Again, you can say that this transition from awareness to infinity is very fascinating as well because the intellectual understanding of infinity is when you do things like you look at the Benoit Mandelbrot infinite fractal zoom. And so you're watching this math be infinitely zoomed and showing this beautiful fractal-like complexity that just never ends. And then you're like, oh, that's infinity. You know, that's probably what we are. And it's very intellectual and it's so beautiful. Um, and because these are easy sort of ways, or if you look at MC Escher's work, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show as well, and Douglas Hofstetter featured him in Gertel Escher Bach. And you know, his work also very intellectually tries to pop you into an experiential knowledge of infinity. And so I remember in February or so of 2021, Frank Yang posted his infinity visualization. And right when that was sort of the moment when I, again, sort of popped, I was like, oh shit, this is infinity fucking itself. Oh my gosh. And so that was sort of my like, okay, now it's a little bit more experiential. And so now there's this, okay, well, what is true infinity 
in pure potential, infinite possibility. That's what we are. That. And, and so then there's this process of, again, the ego comes in and it's like, oh, it's infinity. Now you should make your identity about infinity. Make your identity about that. Um, as Frank likes to say, <clears throat> be a spiritual cunt. Have everybody see you as a spiritual cunt. You know, you know, uh, you have the truth. And so that kicked in. And then this most recent sort of another, you could say, going from I am everything, pure potential, endless. You'll never come to the end of that pure potential, which actually we talked about on that first episode together where I was going through that explanation to you, which was how many different ways can you color a blank canvas? How many ways can you arrange musical notes into a song? How many ways can you modulate a screen? Etc. There's another way to perceive this thing where we, we also showed the, the visualization as well. It's the loop, it's the infinite loop. It's the yes. figure eight thing where after you dissolve most of your centers, uh, after you dissolve the center point of the ego, um, infinity just loops back on itself, like this uh, cosmic snake biting its own tail kind of picture, right? Yeah. This one is really cheeky though. Because as Frank was indicating, there's much of spirituality is taught around getting you from ego to consciousness or awareness. And then let alone are the two sides of the coin of, inf of infinity and emptiness really played around with that much. And so... Again, this was like last year I was looking at no self and anatta and studying and it was kind of it was kind of setting in intellectually maybe a little bit. But there was no experience around emptiness or nirvana being blown away. You could say I had a little glimpse of what this was at my first Theravada Buddhism 10-day meditation retreat, my first sit vipassana. And so you can get these little glimpses, but that's not, ex it's, it's a taste of the experiential, but it's definitely not it sitting in experientially. And so what for me was a big pivotal moment going from this, I am everything, I am infinity to I am nothing to I am emptiness is in a sense, cessation is probably the best way to put it. It's like, It's, that's it. There's just, there's nothing to be able to say about what it feels like when there is nothing. There is no atlas. There is no creation. There is, this dream is popped. The mind is not in a state of, it's just, there's nothing. Go ahead. Um, yeah. The, see, everything before the natural state, could be said to be an experience. Um, there are realizations within this, all of the stages, but the last stage, the natural state is purely in realization because that's when the experiencer gets dissolved. Before the experiencer gets dissolved, you go through those stages, there's still gonna be experiences. And all spiritual and mystical experiences are mostly just a byproduct, the response 
to the realizations that you have. So you can go through the different levels of realization from ego to awareness to infinity to emptiness. And before, because the experiencer hasn't been completely dissolved, it's always gonna respond, the separate entity that's still there, it's always gonna re respond to reality in different ways. And if you get like a bliss or ecstasy or you know, a joy, you get a spiritual high. Uh, but if you respond to it with confusion and um, disgust or fear, you get your dark night of the soul. So they're actually two sides of the same coin. So there's always gonna be experience on top of realization prior to the fifth stage, uh, the natural state, which at the purest level, it's a realization. You cannot experience no self. Everything you experience about no self is the is is not exactly no self because no self you cannot locate no self at all. It's like an eyeball that can't see itself. Like we said earlier, if yeah. an eyeball can see itself, you cannot define it at all. You cannot even experience it. You can say it's quote unquote non-existence, but that's still putting a label on it. Yeah. It's basically when you disidentify from every single particle in your entire infinite field of experience, yes. right? But then once, if you still identify to even that, then there's still. Know. I know yeah, this is talk about this. Yeah. This is this is really important because this is why these levels play into what we're discussing because it's really important to sort of be sincere or honest with which level you're at with each stage. And sort of the more that you dissolve your separate self-conditioned identity, the more you stop giving a fuck about what other people think of you. And because you realize your life itself. And so in a sense, to be super honest with oneself about this process, like for example, for me, I feel pretty firmly that infinity's pretty experiential and getting to the point of realized and emptiness is also getting to a point of like being better and better experiential. And so for me, I'm sort of like here plus also understanding what is meant by transcending the entire paradigm completely because you dissolve into life itself and you become an ordinary absolute normie like the title of our podcast and i feel like that's why you know you know enlightenment being a realization that's what frank's saying that you know you're really realizing the fact that you've went through this process of decontracting the energetic conditioning and separate self associations. And now once you've gotten through that process, you realized that this whole staged system is completely to be transcended and to not even be seen as a spiritual cunt, as a spiritual teacher. You got to dissolve even the halo on your head. See, people talk about like Kundalini energies and chakras, right? Uh, I mean, I went to that phase where I was like, I was a Kundalini cunt. I was like, damn, all my chakras open up. Now I'm a badass. I have magic now, I have superpower. But then little did I know that was only the process of the solution. The reason why you have kind of lean energy is because you're releasing all the junk of your soul out from your body to the anus of the third eye. That's it. And then I was responding to this person yesterday in the forum. They're like, oh, the highest state of awareness and consciousness is when you have a lot of energies. And I would say that's not quite true because the highest state of awareness is when the body mind actually has no energy. Because if all your chakras open up, you're not gonna be able to feel them. Once you embody something so thoroughly that you can't even see them, that's when you really are it. 
<laughs> so in a sense, the body-mind doesn't feel energy anymore. But you feel a sort of quote-unquote universal drive or will to to move around. The, why, the, the reason why I'm even moving my head at all, it doesn't feel like it's even when I go to the gym. It doesn't feel like it's coming from an energy that's within the body. It just feels like the universe is moving itself. Um, I would say a lot of uh, spiritual teachers or mystics and sages, the reason why they attract a lot of followers is because they have a lot of spiritual energy, spiritual calm. But they haven't dissolved the last speck of the vision, <laughs> which is the spiritual cunt itself. <laughs> That's why you look at like Ramana. He's if I go to Ramana, okay, if you're still on the spiritual path, if you go to Ramana, you might have experienced like outer space upon his presence. But I'm willing to bet if you understand what I'm talking about here, and if you empty out yourself completely, if you go to Ramana, you're gonna see an old man in a diaper that's no different from trees. And whatever he opens up within you, it's not that he's transmitting anything to you because he is, he's emptying out. He has no energy inside him. Whatever you feel during his presence is that thing that the willingness of your own body mind that's allowing this to take place within you. So the truest form of transmission is actually the guru being a complete hollow, holographic straw man just sitting there. And then upon seeing him, he activates something within yourself. That's the true transmission, the transmitting of yourself to yourself. Yep. And you can think about it like a seven chakra system and having a potential blockages happening, especially going from like the solar plexus to the heart. This seems to be the most common one for people today. Um, not even getting to necessarily the state of love, absolute love. But then even past that to the throat and the ajna and the crown is that what's happening is that somebody else that has completely unblocked those chakras is the guru, right, is the one that is holding this truth or channeling this truth. And then the one that has the blocked chakras is coming and just being there with the empty that has the completely unblocked chakras yes. is enabling the unblocking of towards freedom basically right. it's like you illusory created your own cage and then the being in presence of that which is empty that has no cage is enabling you to be like unblock unblock and then get out of cage out of cage freedom freedom right. that, that's a really good point because the only way another another guru can dissolve your condition is because he already dissolved it if he hasn't dissolved it he wouldn't be able to uh, he wouldn't be able to make you dissolve it in a sense like you wouldn't okay so let's say this guru is still he he's, he still has energy in the third eye like he's oozing out kind of lean juice and everybody loves it he's vibrant and if, if you sit in front of that guru you can't dissolve the, the chakra on the third eye because he hasn't dissolved his. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's, you, know, you, know, you know my point? Yeah. For example, yeah. with, with me, for example, there will be people that come and talk to me about doing these unblockings that we're talking about. But th this unit is of life is limited in its capacity based on its own unblockings that have happened. 
So the, for this unit of life can only help unblock other units of life that seek to be unblocked based on how much this unit of life has unblocked itself. So if yeah. you're still at a place where you're barely in the un, a heart chakra of love, which I'm still even feeling that, I'm learning how to navigate that more and more swiftly and, and frictionlessly, that it's it's going to be like like Frank's basically saying it just boils down to seeing everything as one homogenous existence seeing everything as life fucking itself without a center you're not you're not a centered separate contracted identity anymore but you're identified with all of life itself fucking itself and that you're all of your little conditionings and by the way it's not tomorrow it's that these conditionings will come up in a month but come up in three months and six months and a year these little egoic separation conditionings will arise and you'll be like oh what was taking me out of enlightenment basically what was taking me into a divisive into a state of division and then you have to analyze that truthfully, sincerely, honestly, and then move yourself back into a state of, oh, this is all one life fucking itself. And that's mentality will sort of help you purify. There's a quote by uh, Nisagata. He said, um, wisdom is knowing I am nothing. And love is knowing that I am everything. And in between the two poles, my life moves. And that sums this up perfectly. The wisdom he's talking about is the emptiness, is the end of the Vipassana path where it dissolves every single speck of solidity within your body-mind, and now you realize emptiness. But then, this emptiness has to be merged with form, but ultimately emptiness and form are the same thing. But uh, some people realize emptiness more than form, and vice versa. It's very interesting. Some people realize the form aspect of it, the infinity, the love aspect of it, more than emptiness. But the perfect unification of emptiness and form is Buddhahood. Mm -hmm. So wisdom, once you reach the end of the wisdom axis, when you realize emptiness, that's the arha stage, the nirvana, the death, the non-being. And the buddhasattva phase, or the Christ consciousness phase, is the infinity phase, uh, infinite love, universal mind. Yeah. That's the form aspect of it. And it's the merging of the two that gives rise to Buddhahood. When I say Buddhahood, I'm not restricted to the tradition of Buddhism. I'm just talking about your true nature. Yeah, I'm talking about your true nature. Because in a sense, emptiness is what enables you to, to it's what enables you to not have this perpetuation of mind and thought that you're attached to. It's what enables you to just be completely clean of all of those attachments and all of those sensations and perceptions. It's like the windshield wiper. You're constantly, and we'll talk about this in a bit, just no sensations touch. And so if you can hold that emptiness while also holding absolute infinitude and serving the creation awakening being a shepherd for it simultaneously that's such a profound mwah. yeah that's why i said the natural state is kind of like a secession the ninth jhana where you just become completely unconscious you totally blink out of existence you know the universe just disappear you pretty much you you, you kill yourself you die before you die there's yeah. not even happiness there there's no awareness at all it's almost like going back to a dreamless sleep uh, but you, quote unquote, train yourself to get there instead of just, you know, falling asleep. 
the ninth jhana, the state of succession or fruition, combined with something like the sixth jhana of infinite consciousness is the best way I could describe the natural state. You're both alive and dead. You're totally unconscious yet totally conscious. Because it's only when you completely become unconscious as a separate entity that you could manifest all of consciousness. And that's the wisdom of nothingness plus the infinity of love, the combination of the two. Um, yeah, we can define that more right now. And we have this section on natty state defined we'll get to. Just briefly while you were saying all of that, I'm just, it's just this last little bit of this this unit of life that was so attached to its identity and to its separation and to all this, that it had built up for itself to try and extract happiness and peace and validation and all of that now dissolving into life itself and popping it just that whole process. It's just, it's just so it's, it's beautiful. It's it's an energetic, emotional. It's, it's love. That's what it is. That 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 that's the thing. Uh, absolute love. When we talk about absolute love, absolute love and truth and death and God and reality are all the same thing. See, absolute love is not something that the separate character feels from the heart. Even when you have your heart chakras open up, that's still coming from a separated state. Oh, you want to love everybody. You want to be this compassionate being. Right, but the absolute love actually has no emotion. Going back to what I was saying about how a full realization, your body might you, you, there's no emotions and no energy in there anymore. There's only the universal energy. So the absolute love, the, the whole process of spirituality is about loving yourself so much, especially your shadows, especially your imperfections, especially all your conditionings, all your fucked upness. You accept your ego and your separate state so completely that you dissolve it. Because the only way you can transcend and dissolve something is to penetrate it and accept it. And if, when you accept all of it, your separate self dissolves out of uh, compassion for yourself, out of love of self into the love, the capital L of the self with a capital S. And that process, exactly what we're talking about. You're dying, but then you're also loving, where death and love becomes two sides of the same coin. You die and dissolve into love. And that is the only way to manifest all of reality is by dying into the present moment, the dying into the orderly of the now, and that's love. Love without any feels. Osho calls it the, uh, the, the cold love. It's a love without any emotions, without any conditions. Because any kind of emotion, any kind of passion is still going to lead to suffering. It's still an attachment. It's still a condition. Even when you go to the stage of universal consciousness, or the Bodhisattva, when he's like, oh, I have to wake everybody up. I have to be this compassionate being. That's still very subtly depends on condition. And once you merge the Bodhisattva with the Arha, Arha is still living in this Nirvana. They're still in the transcendental realm. They're still obsessed with like death and oh how I, I'm so much more enlightened than y'all. I'm sitting in the mountains, right? <laughs> That's the picture in the ten ox herding picture in uh, Zen Buddhism, where the the seeker has caught the the ox, he's rode it, and he's tamed it. He's even playing the fruit on the ox, but he still hasn't let go of enlightenment itself. He still hasn't let go of his own realization. Yeah. That's why there's a next picture. Going back to the source where there's just a circle. Because once you let go of even the self, the remainder of the self that's identified with being an enlightened cunt, even the bull, the ox, also disappeared. 
But a lot of people don't want to go there. They still want to be spiritual parents. Yeah. But then you get something much better, much more free. After the after you dissolve both the ox and the self, you go to the source, the quote source, that's the emptiness phase. And there's another picture after that, which is just a mountain. That's what I call uni locality. Where you look at the mountain, it's not you perceiving the mountain because there's no perceiver inside it. The mountain just perceives itself. Yeah. It's just the mountain. Yeah. And then you could be the mountain if you want. You could be the birds, the trees, the sky, yeah. or the meat suit. And you're not identified with any one yes. of those. So that's the difference between uh, non-duality, which is one, <sighs> in the middle stage where you know everything's one, and then non-locality, which is emptiness. Identify from even non-duality into non-locality, and then you have uni-locality. Now you're a nobody, a somebody, and an everybody. Now you're everything, nothing, and something. See, this somethingness, it, it's oftentimes missed. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, I, oh yeah, I'm nothing, or I'm everything. But they haven't no. realized that they're yes. all something. Yes. The deepest form of unity is not just oneness or non-duality. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just everything is a dream, bro. Everything is yeah. Everything yeah. Not, It's all imagined. You're, you're nobody. There's no self nor another's. There's nobody here. That's to just to, to not truly radically love and accept the somebody is to not be in awe at the firework of the infinite that you are. Yeah. The, 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 the firework of the infinite has to include the particulars or else it's not infinite. So the deepest form of unity includes not just the infinite and the oneness, but also the particulars. Because I see a lot of people on the non-duality track getting stuck in this idea of how everything is a dream and there's nothing to do, there's nobody here, and it's all imagined. Because true solipsism, solipsism, is really not different from ecotism. It's just a, a ecotism in the God, right? Your sense of self has been projected into God. That's why a lot of people have such huge spiritual egos. Because the big self, self is God and no self. They're actually very different. Yeah. Yeah. So the somebodyness, the somethingness. Yet they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, they're all the same, actually. Yeah. But they're easy to be attached. But to. yeah, it's very easy to also just. <clears throat> remain at the intellectual level yeah also, exactly. which is really important and just know that the process of life reality reveals and awakens itself to its own nature over time and so that's the whole point of the dreamed process that's that's happening so that was great we'll get down here in a in a bit let's go to we were talking about well, we didn't this. go through the last picture the, the absolute normie the last picture of the Zen Ken Oxhurden picture. It's just a guy, a fat guy, yeah. Yeah. drinking beer. Why is there another picture after the mountain? Because you even let go everything we just talked about. You you let go of it. You got let go of that too, and then you just become you just you just you know whatever, bro. There's nothing to be said. Yeah. 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 And that's also a bit of what emptiness is empty gives you as well, which yeah, is emptiness is also just empty. So meaning. Bro, like that's the drinking wine in the market. Like, have a fucking good time. Have have a have life. Have a good time and completely accept life exactly as it is. That's what gives you freedom. Is when you radically accept life exactly as it is. Dude, I remember the 
the moment I realized, truly realized emptiness is also empty because for a while I was seeing uh, reality through the lens of perception of emptiness. I was, I was like, everything, yeah, yeah, everything, I can see everything, how everything's one, no separation, no distance. You know, the sky is in the same space as my face. It's all holographic. But even that's just a lens of perception because sometimes the table is just a table. Yeah. Sometimes the table is just a table. Emptiness yeah. is empty, but form is also just form. Yes. Yes. Emptiness and form, form is emptiness, but sometimes emptiness is emptiness. Other times, form is also just form. It's yes. that simple. Perfect. That simple. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That and so this is sort of what, <clears throat> if you guys have heard Frank talk about the contemplative fitness AI, um, or Bentinho in his Global Enlightenment Retreat uses the analogy of raindrops on windshield as you're in the car is that you kind of become sensation proof. So rather than having the sensation trigger a conditioning of separate self, rather it's that windshield wiper or this contemplative fitness AI that's constantly running where their gap between a sensation coming and you recognizing how empty the sensation is, is immediate. It's immediate. You recognize that it's all coming empty right away. So there's no, when you get to the really high levels, that there's no even possibility even anymore for it to come and create a elevation of a conditioned, contracted identity. You, you Ultimately, that's this what we're talking about it getting to sensation proofing yourself would you like to also unpack this a bit for us frank yeah so i'm just gonna read a post that i wrote because after i write something down I, I don't really think about it anymore so if i yes if i summarize it i'll be all over the place is it um, on your instagram can i pull it up uh it's in my i posted on my story but um I, okay. I didn't make a post out of it so i don't think you can see it right now but it's, I, I think it's in one of uh, my highlights, but I'll just read it. Yes. I think the most direct and clearest way to put all those different stages of development and labels that we've been talking about under context is the direct realization, the nature of sensations. Now think of sensations as the atoms of your subjective experience, both inside and outside. What a meditator or a contemplator does is quote unquote zooming into deconstruct and dissecting and dissolving and shred your reality into sensations at the microscopic level. All sensations are aware of themselves exactly where they are. All sensations are devoid of both self with a small s and self with a capital S and spontaneously and codependently arising. All sensations are in equal footing. So no sensation causes or own another cluster of sensations. Different vibratory velocity of sensations gives rise to the difference between quote-unquote air, liquid, and solid forms. And all sensations self-liberate. So sensations could be anything from body sensations to emotions, to sight, sound, uh, emotions, thoughts. Basically your entire field of experience is made up of sensations. So all sensations are non-dual, as in sensations in and of themselves can't tell the difference between God, 
poop, awareness, consciousness, emptiness, eternity, love, intentions, matter, mind, being sober or being psychedelic or being drunk, time, space, etc., etc. And since there is only quote unquote one substance, there is no difference between the foreground and the background. This is where we talk about deconstructing all the different stages and deconstructing even the background between the context and the content, right? Because all sensations are homogenous. Therefore, phenomenons do not arise and pass into some source that is more clinical real and permanent. Now, the labeling of these sensations and the labelings of these phenomenons into concepts is, you guessed it, just more sensations. You start to see that even concepts are sensations. Even labels are sensations, no different from the things that they're labeling. So you don't get attached to even concepts. So what's the difference between the awakened state and the egoic state? Now, this is very important. In the former, the knots of perception is forever untied in the awakened state because the nature of sensation is penetrated permanently and experientially. Now, all sensations in your entire field of experience lights up and are aware of themselves without a delay between the subject and the object, between the perceiver and the perceived, observer and the observed the witness and the witnessing. And this is your moment to moment experience of the clinical Godhead of infinity of eternal awareness. Because when sensations are experienced without a doer, controller, seer, hearer, thinker, all 360 degrees panoramic are known and comprehended as itself without the delay between this or that. Thus reality feels omniscient. In the egoic state, certain cluster of sensations arise in the center of experience, usually inside the head, being behind the eyes and in place, in some place inside the body. That's hijacking other clusters of sensations to quote unquote take credit for other clusters of sensations in the field of experience. And this is all due to conditioning. That's why we talk about observer being trapped in an observer because it's taking credit for uh, reality. When this happens, there's a contraction of energy. When awareness or the ego is trying to you know, hijack other fields of sensations to be mine, there's a contraction of energy and that's identification. That's the feeling of meanness. That's where the source of separation comes from. That's it. So when you zoom experiences down to the atomic level with max effort contraction like Vipassana, where you can no longer divide it, this singularity ultimately loops back to the other side, like a strange loop, and it becomes infinitely expensive. That's the difference between you know, the contraction method of Vipassana versus the do nothing meditation, where you simply just relax and let infinite consciousness uh, return to its most natural state. So all those practices merge as one, expansion and contraction. This is why the practice starts out as dissecting atoms, but at the end, you end up Vipassanaizing the whole universe. The very small is identical to the very large, like the merging of quantum mechanics and cosmology, love and death at the subjective level. The parts is the whole and vice versa. The atom is the universe. Now you can get to the same point either by contraction or expansion. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, and also you can you know, do some psychedelic trips, have glimpses of this, or uh, do the contraction expansion method you know, while uh, you are under the influence of psychedelics. Uh, but, you know, I mean, all my, in my own path, uh, all my insights and, and realizations came naturally. I mean, I experimented with psychedelics in my, in my 20s and had a few DMT trips. 
but the reason why I advocate being doing it naturally is because I'm just biased. <laughs> because I I I I, I give my natty man all the credit. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's pretty much it. That was so good. Thank um, wait, wait, there's another one last part. Yeah, so when you take to the end point, contraction and expansion uh, just lose meaning. And this is when absolute infinity and absolute nothingness uh, are merged simultaneously. And this goes back to what I was saying about how uh, the natural state is like a permanent succession, the unconsciousness of uh, uh, Nibbana or uh, the ninth jhana, but also infinite consciousness of the sixth jhana. Now, if, if you don't see clearly the nature of sensations at all levels as being empty and full at the same time, and not self, uh, one particular level is always going to seem more or less real or solidified than another level. That's why you started to identify with awareness or consciousness or this or that God state, because the sensations hasn't been seen through. So one level is always going to be more solidified, right? So that's when, again, contraction occurs. Identification takes place. That's cleaning and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So if you understand sensation at the experiential level, that's it. But th there, there's some pitfalls to this as well. So the contemplative fitness AI enables cessation at the experiential level. Yeah, and understanding sensation at the experiential level. And understanding cessation at the experiential level enables the master resides in Tao, the natty state, perpetually. Yeah. Yes, but but here's a but. I was posting this uh, on a forum, and then there were some responses saying, this is by deconstructing experiences only down to the microscopic level of sensations can be a little bit uh, reductive. It's almost like a scientist who only cares about atoms, which I don't disagree with because I've seen a lot of people that are really into the Vipassana path, they're all about sensations. They see every experience and just reduce it down to a microscopic level of sensations. And they, they're, they're more in the emptiness side of the equation than the love, the infinity, and the fullness side. But my counter argument is, for those people, they haven't taken sensations all the way. That's why there's a problem. If you take sensations all the way, like I said, it loops back to infinity. Maybe you're taking sensations down to the 99% uh, level, but 99% and 100% is quantum. Once you depositionize sensations down to the microscopic level and at 100% you dissolve everything, boom, it's absolute infinity, which is the same as absolute nothingness. Yeah. So that's why you can get to the same endpoint by either doing Vipassana at the Theravada path or by doing uh, sort of the Dzogchen kind of practices like do nothing, the sub the sub version of Dzogchen because Dzogchen is fullest form is the natural state. But there's sub versions of it where you can do the awareness of awareness practice, abiding in consciousness kind of practice, like the, the later formless jhanas kind of practice. If you do that long enough, you, you also lose back to the to the microscopic level. Yeah, but there are, I see a lot of people that sort of lean towards one side of the of the duality of the equation, which is really interesting. Some people are more energetic. They're talking about love a lot, you know, and then they, 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 the way their vibe is, is like, you know, more more in, in touch with the uh, Christ consciousness and Bodhisattva path. And some people are more into the emptiness path. If you take it, this all the way. You merge the two. You do. You merge the two. If you take this all the way, this is this is what this is it. Take this all the way. This contemplative fitness AI. 
take it all the way to see sensations at this most subatomic level. If you do that, you will recognize what we're talking about, which is being sensation proof and enabling you to reside in life itself, to dissolve into life fucking itself endlessly. Yes. One more point. So what exactly is the natural state then? The natural yes. state Let's is just, the natural state is just the fact that once you see through how all sensations are in equal footing, once you're not attached, one once one cluster of sensation isn't hijacking other cluster of sensations, all sensations appear exactly where they are. As it is. Okay, I have a question. Would That's this would this be like today? I'll go through this example and then we'll go to the United States. Okay, would this be this? I feel like this is gonna funnel perfectly into this example. <laughs> <clears throat> today, the the trash service came and the other tenants in the building had been emptying some food and drink and whatnot into the bin. So it had created a very big stench over the week. So I'm bringing the trash bin back after it's already been emptied by the garbage truck. I'm bringing it back to the house and I'm realizing that I'm going to be washing the bin out. And as I'm washing the bin out, I realize that washing the dirty garbage bin that smells rancid is the exact same, made of the same empty in full infinitude as having sex or drinking tea or watching hummingbirds. Is yes. that okay? Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just how everything is just made up of, how scientists will tell you everything's made up of atoms. You know, your God experience is made up of atoms, so is your, uh, your your poop, right? And sensation is just observing and realizing this at the experiential and the subjective level. Yeah. So you don't cling on to any particular state. The ego state, if the ego state is just thinking that, oh, one cluster of sensation is more real, more solidified, because you haven't uh, seen through it, that's contraction. If the state of awareness becomes this new cluster of sensations that um, gets solidified, then that's also just another degree. It's another degree that's transcended from the ego state, but if, if there's any preference over any cluster of sensations in your field of experience, then you cannot enter a state of perfect equanimity. That's it. That's, that's it. it. When there is no identification with it, anything at all, sensations can just appear spontaneously, simultaneously, they're all codependent arising, and they just appear as they are. Spontaneous dependent origination without a contracted, conditioned, separate self to have preferences. Right, right. And this preference could be ice cream or infinite consciousness. It makes and, yes, and attachment to those preferences, which right. then creates the craving, aversion, suffering. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what the natural state is. Okay, beautiful. So let's have you continue defining this for us, like with here in the doc. So we kind of talked about this permanent cessation while conscious. Okay, well, we'll go to the unaltered state of consciousness. So another Let's way to look at this is that everything before the natural state, which is what's always been the case, um, is an altered state of consciousness. 
the egoic state is an altered state of consciousness. It's insanity. It's psychotic. You think your thoughts are real. You think you're a separate person. That's an altered state. Let's take a moment to seriously make sure that this is being understood because this is basically reversing the entire paradigm of the world on its head. So it's basically saying that the ego or separation and all of the conditioning and attachments of the that contracted energy entity, that is the altered state. That is the altered state of consciousness is believing that I am a separate, finite, physical entity in a world full of other separate, finite, physical entities. That's the altered state. And then that's a really big paradigm shift. Okay. Well, I mean, moving from that to um, the altered state of mystical experiences, let's say you're, you've yeah. been equal all your life. Now you took psychedelics. Now you think, holy shit, this is so much more real. But that's also an altered state. And we go to meditation, we should experience jhanas and kundalini awakenings, uh, even you know, merging with God, divine union, cosmic bliss, all the stuff you read about spirituality. From the perspective of the ego state, that is much more true and yes. much more spacious and much yes. more relaxed state. And but, unaltered, yes. But it, that, but now that's still an altered state of consciousness. But yes, it's more not, unaltered. Yes. It's a little bit more unaltered, but it's still altered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that it's more altered, but they're, they're both altered. Doesn't matter how, how yes, yes. more altered. They're both altered state of But it's giving you a taste of the unaltered, which is then what gives you the North Star in the roadmap. Right. Yeah. Right. So after you uh, disidentify dis for all the altered state of consciousness and you slip into the natural state, that's the unaltered state of consciousness. That's total sanity. Because clinging on to universal mind or the individual mind is the same thing. From the unaltered state of perfect equanimity, where all sensations are in equal footing, you look at your past uh, levels of identification to realize that attachment to the solidity of the ego versus the attachment to the solidity of mystical experiences are actually the same thing. They both uh, create uh, cleanliness and suffering. That's why the Buddha said that not only do you have to let go of the material realm, the form realm, you have to let go of the formless realms. Yes. You can't yes. be stuck in the golden chain yes. of jhanas and yes. like trips and mystical experiences. But but I will go ahead. I, I just I just wanted to briefly say that uh, just to put a little flag in it, just that it is still really important as people are stuck in physicalism to point people towards the formless, to towards consciousness. Of course, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. That's why the stages are are, are there. Yes, yes, like, yes. Okay. You just uh, there's some people that just jump from like stage one to five. They fucking go insane, man. <laughs> Dude. But well, here's the thing, here's a point that's very important. See, the people who hasn't experienced the non-experience of our true nature, when they only have the egoic state in the mystical experiences to compare their experiences with, they're always gonna be confused. They're always gonna think the uh, the, uh, the outer state of mystical experiences, the God consciousness on psychedelics or meditation or spontaneous glimpses, temporarily transcending the self. They're always gonna think that's enlightenment. Yeah, yeah. They're always gonna confuse that with enlightenment because they have, they, they've only got the two outer states to compare it from. Of course, the, the mystical experiences, all the unity consciousness. Yes, yes. It's always gonna be more enlightened than the ego state. Yes, yes. You know, there's, there's more to disidentify. Yeah, so that, that's, that's why, why the ego like, attaches to the mystical experiences and says this is it. Yeah, yeah, and, and before you have a realization, which is the 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 locking of uh, the true nature, it's it's really really difficult to see this because I, I've been trying to tell people the difference between mystical experiences, which is the temporarily transcendence of the self, 
which the self always comes back because it's not a realization yet versus the permanent dropping away of the self with yep. the realization. Jeez. A huge difference there. Yeah. And if you hasn't if you haven't had a realization, and a realization can only occur naturally you, you there, there's no realization on a, a, a psychedelic trip when you're high i mean maybe there is but like it's so filtered you, you can't extract it right so <sighs> when, when i keep trying to tell people that dude there is a difference between a realization and an experience between dropping away of the center permanently versus yeah. just temporarily transcending itself because when you still have a center in the head when you kick the pedal, no matter how crazy this experience is, it's still gonna be filtered through whatever solidity that's in the head. If you're in the beginning of the path, the solidity is your entire body mind. Once you get to the very end of the path, the solidity could be this tiny little atom somewhere yeah. like in the head, somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. still going to get in the way of infinity closing in on itself into this figure A loop. And that's 99% and 100% is quantum. It's a different order together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man it's just so much of like a relief so so what is what is wisdom what is insight and wisdom if i if i may if i may read the <clears throat> i'll pull it up for people and for people that are getting kind of confused and scared I'll just remind you one thing. Wisdom is not something you accumulate with the mind or something you read in spiritual books. Wisdom is taking away all the falsehood until you're left with what is. Now, we talk about a lot of crazy ships like, you know, oh, your awareness is going from 720 to 1080 to 4K to 360, 8K. You're like, what the fuck? How do I get that? Well, let me ask you, is reality panoramic and 360 if so then that's what you are it's always been the case it's always been the case does the universe have a center point if not then you don't have a center because you're the universe it's very simple and this is the sentence relief of being literally nobody what book is that that is something yeah ah. Yes. Relief of being literally nobody. That is when you're dropping into this emptiness, you're dropping into this no self, you're dropping into slowly into this natty state, you're just kind of dropping in easefully. And it's just this relief of not needing to be anyone, a relief of knowing that you're nothing along with everything and that you can just peacefully relax all of the contracted conditioning that you built up over the years of wanting to be seen as an individual, wanting to be seen as a somebody, although we are still that spark of the infinite, like we mentioned, but all of that contracted energy that built up around all of the conditioning from your childhood and all of the things of wanting to impress other people and to have all of this money and success and fame and oh if i just or get a, cunt. or being a spiritual cunt just exactly especially that one has been so important for me recently to be practicing that one more and more of just letting go of needing to be seen as a spiritual cunt seriously so the relief of being literally nobody 
the the ultimate attainment is non-attainment. Nirvana is the last layer of the dream. The bra the Brahman. Once you get so deep, you become Brahman. That's the last layer of the dream. You go so deep, you're like, "Holy shit, man! This is Brahman. Everything's Brahman." But even that could be disidentified from. Ultimate attainment is non-attainment. But this is when you have the reflexivity to switch lenses. Okay, on Monday, I'm gonna use the emptiness lens. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have a Tinder day, and this Tinder day is a Buddhist. Oh, I'm gonna put on an emptiness lens. <laughs> hey, man, this is the rising, bro. Okay, let's go. Tuesday, you go now Tinder day, and this girl is uh, she studied Hinduism. You put on a Brahman lens. You're like everything's unified mind. Okay, we just we just mentioned this one: the relief of being literally nobody, which is great. The dying into the ordinary. Oh, we haven't mentioned that one. Yeah, that one's so important. Really. I, I can only relate to that one from a direct experience where you're literally, it, it's like, it's kind of like being a permanent acid trip, except it's deeper than that because in the natural state, there's neither an experience nor a mind, right? So it's even deeper than mind brain experience, but it's very similar to being on acid all the time where you look at anything at all, you just see the entire universe in there. You don't see infinite like zooms. You just, you just, it's just timeless. It's just, I don't know. You can just like, you know how you're a little kid and just in a in a sandbox, and you just like playing with sand, playing with leaves, just you know looking at bullshit, and then there's just no time. You don't have to go anywhere, and and that's yeah. that's your moment to moment experience in a natural state. Yeah, um, and it, 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 I remember um, when I was shifting into the state when I was still kind of dissolving. When I read that. I, it, I was like, holy shit, this is exactly what it feels like because it, it, it literally feels like your your every moment is like disjointed, right? And each moment you're being reborn and being reincarnated. And each moment when you look at like I was swiping my um I was wiping my ass and then I was like looking at my poop and I could I could feel like just my sense of self just come even the last speck of it just completely dying into the into the toilet paper and there's nothing but the toilet paper, you know what I mean? And then, but then as long as I move the toilet paper, there's another a new dimension in, it, in the, the last one died and then you kind of move this process a little bit where you literally every moment it feels like you're really dying into this disjointed frame and then after a while it just becomes uh more stabilized and once you're all dead you don't feel like you're dying anymore yeah <laughs> that's when you feel the most alive you transcend the duality yeah. between existence and non-existence between life and death gosh and don't fear this process of dying. Know that it's a natural part of the spiritual awakening and that it's only going to make you an even better steward and shepherd of the reality awakening to its nature. It'll only make you more pure in the process. Yeah, yeah. Well, spiritual, speaking of the, the process again, there are two major shifts on the spiritual path. One is the move from ego to being, the move from ego to awareness or consciousness or God, all that's being stuff. The second move, which is, that that's that's painful, that's dying. For a lot of people, that's, you know, that's literally death, right? That's very difficult, dark nights, dark nights after dark nights. The second stage, sorry, the second phase, the second shift from being, from existence, from infinity to non-being. To nothingness, that hurts even more because you're letting go of even God. Yeah, 
that hurts even more because you're letting go of this of infinite field that you thought to be you. You have to decide anything from that, and that hurts even more. That's why most people don't make it that far. <laughs> I, I always say that um, waking up or di di dissolving the ego is uh, awakening. Dissolving even God is the natural state. Is in yeah, yeah. Now I'm not making a claim about the ontological existence of God or not. Oh, that's completely yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. And you, and you could, <clears throat> you could, if you were just using the word God to reference the highest or the absolute, you could just use it to reference the coin that we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. that one side is emptiness, the other side's infinity. Yeah, that, that, that's why this thing should because in a natural state you can call yourself a monkey or a god or a human being or a table, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you can go start, the difference is during the during the god phase, I can feel my ego popping up when I look at the word God or when I communicate with another spiritual con and we're talking about God realization, I could feel my ego popping up. This is because we associated the word God with the capital S self. This yeah, is why yeah. versus if you also were to associate God with emptiness or with no self or with Tao or the Natty state, then you could say that this is God in yeah, the shape yeah. of the coin of emptiness and infinity with the, you could say, consciousness or awareness as this primary attribute of the power to know. Yeah. So, so in the natural state, you could when when I say I am God or I am awareness or I'm monkey or I'm Frankie, it makes absolutely no difference. There, there's no trigger, there's no preference, there's no contraction of any of these. There it is. Levels. Yeah. That's, that's the only difference, really. But it's all yeah. the same. The difference yeah. is the contraction identification. Yes. Thinking yes. this That's it. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So we're not moving any stages. Okay. The disappearing into the dark light of the absolute. You said this was a Nisargatata Maharaj. Phrase. Yeah, uh, Adyashante also used the dark light to uh, describe no self, um, because like we said before, it's almost it's the combination of infinity versus nothingness. Yeah. So it's both dark and light. Beautiful. It's both disappearing and dying into the extraordinary while manifesting this infinite consciousness and field of experience. Perfect. Then let's do life fucking itself and closing the infinity loop. Uh, well, closing the infinity loop is just the point I'm making about how if there's still a solidity in the body mind or anywhere in the field of experience, um, infinity cannot uh, fully comprehend itself thoroughly. Yes, yes. You yes. know how was uh, the the logo or the animation of uh, of the figure eight or the snake cosmic snake biting or Ouroboros? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's going infinitely like this, right? If there's a speck in there, it it won't close. It won't it, close. It, yeah. So even that little bit of, even if it's at the level of, even if you've popped beyond the egoic separate conditioning to even awareness or you know, consciousness, of God. consciousness, it says, even if, even if you're there, that <clears throat> even if you've started to taste a little bit of infinity and emptiness, and when I, if you've tasted it, you'll still have these bits of the separate self that are there. And this is what you're referencing perpetually, which is the difference between getting to the point of sort of like 99% dissolving that all the way down to that poof. It's yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that's the difference between you as a separate entity having an experience of awareness, consciousness, or the divine versus just reality being itself. That's yes. how you can yes. about it. Yeah. Say it's anything. Not a, okay. It's not a separate entity having the realization of the divine, but it's life recognizing the divine. Yeah, just life being itself. Life being itself. Yeah. Say anything uh, about you know this process is, is saying too much even saying infinity penetrating itself eternity gazing back itself it's saying a little bit too much okay yeah cool that that we just covered that as well and, and that's the difference between like you know how people get into the later stages of jhanas they they get they do get into infinite consciousness but the teacher will tell them hey you're still stuck in the golden chain of the formless realm because they're experiencing infinite consciousness as a meditator mm. versus the solution of the meditator where yeah. there's only yeah exactly so that rather than having the experience yeah. of the divine as a separate entity it's yeah. life itself just yeah. that's it just that's it, that's, it. So, yeah. so that's again there's a difference between transcendence of the self which is the quick glimpse and this yeah. glimpse can last sometimes for months or five seconds versus the permanent dropping away of the self yeah, yeah. beautiful and life fucking itself also is deeply at play with dependent origination as well that it collapses the witness the witnessing and the witnessed into yes. one and that's yeah. what this unilocality yeah. is so dependent origination is very interesting because it's basically the notion that everything is interconnected everything is interpenetrated everything is you know codependent arising right so without a you there there won't be a me here and we're all connected to infinite webs of conditioning that yes, are arising. Yes. And the reason why uh, dependent origination is never talked about is because without realizing emptiness and no self, you cannot perceive dependent origination in real time. And then mm -hmm. without perceiving dependent origination in real time, you're always going to be standing on the ground. For example, the move from ego to consciousness is understanding that the self, the thinker, the ego, is just another thought, right? Before you used to think that the, the Frank Yang is the thinker and this mm -hmm. thinker is popping out thoughts. But then after stream entry, you realize that this Frank Yang character, this avatar is just another thought, no different from any other thoughts. It's not the generator of thoughts. It's not the creator of thoughts, it's not the thinker of thought. It's in itself, it's just another thought that's empty with no one behind it, popping in and out of nothing. No different from any other thought. That's stream entry. To move from stream entry to the later stages, you have to apply that process of self-inquiry into the big self, into even the God mind. Now, if dependent origination is true, then consciousness or the ground of being, whatever ground of being that you identify yourself with, either that's God mind or Brahman, that's also dependent originating. Because consciousness mm -hmm. is the result of the dependent origination between the observer, perception, uh, the object of perception, it's dependent on all kinds of stuff to be able to, you know, generate this experience of consciousness. Totally. Now, a lot of people stand on the ground of consciousness because they don't understand dependent origination. And then again, that's very easy, very easy to identify. Or just drop them directly into the dream analogy. When you um, when you dream at night, everything yes. is dependently originating yes. on everything else. Although there is a point of in the sense you're viewing it as the 
in the sense, the power to know in the dream from a specific spot itself, you, the tree is the same thing as the power to know. The other person is the same thing as the power to know. It's all in the life fucking itself, the dream fucking itself, dependent origination, that there, there's no separation between anything of that substrate. It's all just one homogenous dream. It, the, 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 there's no inherent existence to any particular object, either that's consciousness or a basketball. A basketball is a no thing. The only reason the basketball is a thing is because it's depending on the color of the leather, the leather itself, the game of basketball, uh, the, you know, the roundness of the ball, right, and the person playing it. All those different factors have to come together to give rise to a basketball. Without all these different, you know, webs of conditions, there won't be a basketball. You, you can apply that to any objects in the universe. I see. So, so the thousands of years of webs of conditioning around the idea of being a human being, for example, is like the most yeah, important yeah. one that gets blown out. And once the dependent origination of all of the webs that have been structured for thousands of years of being a human being gets blown out, that's when there's this no mind, no self, that gets you, there. You can just look at whatever is arising right now. Anything that you can see right now is depending on arising. Yeah. Right? Everything, just like this Mitsu, the eye, the nose, the hair, the screen, everything is just dependent on arising through each other. And this is when you really, really start to construct the ground. Yeah. And see that even consciousness, see, okay, here's the point. The people that think consciousness is the ground of being, um, it's, it's very easy to deconstruct that. Have you ever had a dreamless sleep in your life? If you have, then consciousness is not permanent. Ta-da! Mm. It's so obvious. For something to be permanently and ultimately true, it has to be the case for every single blink on the planet throughout the entire history of civilization, afterwards and beyond. Now, if your grandmother had a dreamless sleep last night, then consciousness is not the ground of being. And that's typically why they call it shunya or emptiness. Yeah, yeah, because nothing has an inherent existence, right? Yeah. Not even consciousness. And if yeah. you you know, train your mind to have successions or fruitions, uh, when you consciously make consciousness disappear and then reappear and see how those different sensations yes, yes. reconstruct and deconstruct moment to moment, you see that consciousness is not permanent. If it's not permanent, it cannot be the ground. I mean, the only thing that's permanent, the only ground you can say is impermanence. Is everything is permanent. The only permanent is impermanence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so consciousness or awareness or the power to know can be potentially referenced to as the first attribute. Like the way that we can perceive reality. Actually, we could do. I, I feel like dependent origination should be a conversation that we have. Um, in exploration because this is a much like later stage understanding that i think is like it collapses everything into unilocality yeah and, yeah, yeah it's just like those notes yeah have you seen those picture of this like a circle where every point is connected to any other point but it's also mm. every point is also connected to itself that's pretty much what dependent origination is and without yeah. okay so so in a sense it's also like what in mathematics um we look at things like graph theory and we look at all of these different 
um, vertices and edges. And so everything is vertices and edges. Everything is those relationships. Yeah, there's no nodes. There's only the, the, the There's only vertices. There's only so the vertices, yeah. But then, see, even depending on origination, in the natural state is also. But don't, but, but don't you, wouldn't you say that your like mind, body, spirit complex in the dream is itself could be called a node, even though it's creating yeah. an illusory, it's creating an illusory box. It's still, so, so there's all these different layers where we could say that it's a node. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Even, cool. even the fact that you, let's, let's say, okay, we're talking about dream using the dream as a metaphor. Oh, everything in the dream is dependent arising, but you can even take the whole level of the dreamscape and say, dream is dependent arising through reality. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then that's another note right there. Right. And then you start to see that, oh, neither dream nor reality is the ground of being. That's how you start to, to construct reality into unilocality through the, the inside of dependent origination. Um, okay. Yeah. But, but, but here's the thing though, either natural state even dependent origination doesn't exist. So because, what, so then what, yeah. So keep unpack that for us. Why, why not? Because, well, after you have very deep, deep inside of dependent origination, the most I can say about dependent origination operating through your real time is that you feel free because when you walk, it's just the universe walking. When you eat, it's just the universe eating. And every part within this hall is doing its best to make every particular thought, every little action perfect. Yes. So, but at this stage, you don't think about it. In the middle stages, you, you contemplate on a dependent origination. In a meditation, you're like, huh, how does this link to that? Oh, you understand this concept. Okay, so. You develop even that, and it's just the body experience of. Perfect. So, so it would be something like when you, when you eat a little handful of blueberries, that it's life the universe eating blueberries not a you, you don't not this identified unit itself you can say that it's a you can say that it is a, its own mind body spirit complex you can say that but you've gone past the stage of separation so you're the universe or life eating blueberries but in order for that to have happened there had to have been this whole entire process of hundreds of years of learning how to perpetually grow blueberries in specific climates and having the modern day farmer go through the process of, of growing it and then shipping it to you, you going and earning the money to be able to purchase it, bringing it back, having a furniture stored and eat it, taste it, poop it out later, have that go through the water sanitation process. But you don't think about that the whole time. You're just in the infinite possibility space of now. Yeah, you don't think about that. You can if you want. Sometimes those thoughts do pop in my head about, oh, that's amazing, but it's not something you consciously contemplate anymore. Um, yeah, just the, if you look at a blueberry, you, we, what makes a blueberry tasty and what makes it appear uh, blue is, you know, all those different mechanisms in your nervous system, um, plus the texture of the blueberry, plus everything that you said, right? Plus the, the location of the tree over there. That's why I'm sitting over here. There's just too many infinite yeah. nodes to deconstruct but cool. that's the point that's the point yeah okay so there's no there's no center to anything nothing is causing another thing everything is codependent arising spontaneously perfect yeah perfect codependent arising spontaneously aka rikpa divinity recognizing itself 
this is the sort of the last one that we kind of talked about this versus the separate self-perceiving divinity. We, we yep. talked about this. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. And then we didn't get to Ramana's quote yet. We mentioned him a little bit, but the quote goes, the world is illusion. Brahman alone is real. The world yeah. is Brahman. So this closes the loop on non-duality. Pretty much, yeah. So with this little quote, if you truly realize, I understand this quote, there's no illusion, there's no world, there's no Brahman. All those different distinctions are void. Yes, there yeah. you go. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So it's not like at the end, the world is Brahman. That's still saying too much. You can use Maya to describe the illusion and the intoxication of the separate entity trying to get peace and happiness from it. You can use the process of calling the, the world transient and therefore less real than the empty infinitude and that you can do that process it's helpful but in the ultimate the world is brahman closes the loop to say that there is absolutely no distinction to be yes. made between brahman and world yes so the, the war is illusion is kind of like jumping from ego to stream entry and then you start to identify with you know god and brahman you're like oh only brahman is real i am brahman i am god then you realize the world is brahman you realize some some sar is nirvana you let yeah. go of even the entire paradigm of spirituality Yes. And, just and, and this is why in the Neo-Advaita direct pointings that they're just saying that this is the absolute. Yes, of course. Yeah. This is absolute right here. Absolute. Yeah. This absolute is the only thing I can say about the absolute is like this is a cup. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Complete, absolute normie, brah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Cool. And we went through these earlier. Let me get, um, let me make one yeah. last really important point before we go to the practices. Yes. There's a, uh, there's a trapping that I, I need to point out is that with the non-duality teacher, a lot of teachers will tell you what we're telling you right now, that there's nothing to do. You're the enlightened. Everybody's enlightened. There's no such thing as an enlightened being because you don't have a self. Yeah, sure. That's all true. Or like people hear me talk about a natural state and they're like, hey, I'm a normie. I'm in a natural state now, right? Because I've talked to people about a natural state and they're just like, okay, I'm in a natural state. It's true ultimately, but relatively it's not true because the, the natural state, um, the natural state of the natural state actually experientially feels very different from the, the, the natural state from the egoic perspective. Because you have to be sensation proof. If you're not sensation proof, yes. you're not living in the natural state. It's still the same sensations, but there is a huge difference. Also, why would anybody go through a spiritual path? Yeah, you've become sensation proof. You have the contemplative fitness AI running. And so as soon as you see the triggering thing, it's Ooh. immediate, yes, immediate emptiness, liberated, yeah. Perfect. That's that's mission critical. I totally agree because people will be like, this is the absolute done. Great. And then they'll continue having the fire of samsara running all the time of some yeah. samskaras and vasanas. They'll have all of these little sort of ways of attachment and desire and craving happening and they'll keep perpetuating suffering. And so eventually even they turn further inward. So, yeah, I think the two most important indicators of whether or not you're making progress on a spiritual path is emotional and perceptual. Is there a permanent shift in the reduction of suffering? Yes. Or is there a permanent shift in perception? When I talk about moving from like 720 to 1080 to 
uh, 4K to 360K, something yes, like that. Yes, there's a great. permanent shift in perception. If that's there's great. a permanent shift in perception, there's going to be a permanent reduction of suffering too because your perception is being whitened. That's right. That's right. It's not about how much intellectual knowledge you've gained or how much you can articulate it, how much yeah. uh, better you get debating with another spiritual content about what truth is, what reality is. <laughs> All that's irrelevant as fuck. Is right now in your moment to moment direct experience, how much has your contemplative fitness AI um, been upgraded? Perfect. And so contemplative fitness AI can be broken down into two components. One, emotionally, how much less do you suffer, if at all? Um, and then the second one is that how you, you, how you perceive, do you see an 8K? Uh, do you see yeah. the dependent origination? Do you see life all right. as just life at play you with see that There's no separation between objects. Do you like physically, visually perceive yeah, yeah. that? Not just yeah. an idea. I was like, oh, depending on origination, I'm imagining that uh, there's no separation. There's a difference there. Yeah. yeah. The full collapse of the witness, the witnessing, and the witnessed. The yeah. full there's collapse. Huge, huge perceptual change uh, yeah. upon that relation. Yeah. That's why what I keep saying that realization is really a kind of a perceptual shift to what is. Because when you say realization, people tend to confuse it with something intellectual. Yeah. Perce per 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 perceptual and the emotional eradication of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Which plays into that moment to moment, like you're describing. I like those two. Those two are definitely um, mm -hmm. what I've also experienced and also been able to sample this meta pattern of what other people have been undergoing in their awakenings is those are the key things this absolute nirvana or blown out of suffering and then the other one is this perceptual upgrade to this is empty fullness yes empty fullness exactly the yeah. the, the new operating system new os is yeah it's right. always like a new os like a new operating system yeah recognizing that's why that sufi metaphysic quote only the ignorance sequence already there yet it remains for you to recognize it so yet it remains for you to recognize the natty state to recognize these two things that full blown out suffering no longer perpetuating misery for yourself and for the world and two is the per the perceptual upgrade to see everything as empty fullness yeah Mm -hmm. And then you can fluidly switch between these lenses of perception and sort of help um, people as they come to you um, and also engage with the world across these lenses. Yeah, I keep emphasizing that no self is just not a lens. Like ultimately, there's no, if you understand sensations, there's no difference between no self and self, right? So it, some people always, after realization of no self, always wear the lens of no self and they can't interact with people. Sometimes you need to put on the lens of self, even though, even though after realization, the lens of self is also experienced as no self. That's a yes, big yes, yes, yes. You, you can play the role of Frank Yang and not identify with him versus you where, you know, somebody says shitty about Frank Yang. Oh, he's on, uh, he's not natty, bro. And then he gets hurt, right? Yeah. Um, so th there is a difference between switching on the lens of self so you can interact with other people in a more healthy way versus um not seeing that they're uh the self and most of are different right you know what i mean yeah. it's hard yeah. to, putting on yeah. this lens of percentage of self through the realization of no self is very different from cool. only being stuck with the, yeah. the lens of self of self cool cool and then you were mentioning this you know the buddha is the one that has completely gone yet also is the one that has turned towards form in 
serving, shepherding, the awakening. And you mentioned that throughout that we have these different parts of the practices that can be done. I'll, I'll just be super, these have totally played, you know, we've been mentioning this several times is that Atlas has went under a similar path as Frank in this process. And not only with Vipassana and Dzogchen and with entheogens and with self-inquiry, but also really, I had no real idea about this like really what you what can be done upon specifically when you get to this more popped state of awareness or consciousness itself, that if you sort of just like do nothing and relax as that, more and more of this infinitude and emptiness, this empty fullness ends up opening up as you do more of this, just relax for an hour and just, be and as you sort of relax in that I am, as you sort of just relax in that, you'll sort of have these profound, empty, full realizations that will deepen your the realization further and further. So that when you go out to the grocery store, you're having more of that no self and the capital S self. You know, you're you're able to sort of more easily be in that in that. Natty state, and I really didn't even know that much about this do nothing style process. It's like you literally just on the couch in the living room, just you're an easy way to do it is by just noticing the actual space itself. Like nobody's looking at this space right now. We're we're only looking at the form. We're only looking at the form itself, this, you know, this windscreen on the mic or this Atlas and Frank unit or this screen that we're watching this on right now. But nobody's looking at the space itself between the witness and the witnessed, um, the witnessing itself or just the space itself. And so just in a sense, holding that space enables the empty fullness to sort of blossom from that. At least I've noticed that a bit from the do nothing process. It's been interesting. Yeah, we should talk about, oh yeah, the do nothing meditation is, is, is all you really have to do is relax the any tensions in your body field, in your body mind. If you notice any tension, just relax it and awareness will automatically return to itself. Yeah, and then there is a subversion of Zochen. That's kind of like where you talk about where you sort of make the emptiness into form, where you kind of perceive the, the, the emptiness all form in the form of emptiness. So you actually try to like draw out emptiness because first you penetrate form as emptiness and then you make the form out of emptiness until they merge as one. So yeah. I went through these as well. So you kind of just like realize the space between objects and you make the emptiness into like a thing. <laughs> so you can see that their form and emptiness are identical. That's, that's a really fun practice. Yeah, I like how you describe it as simple as also just relaxing and then just watching those tensions just dissolve yeah. and then you just recognize that this is it like welcome to the absolute just pure not attached to any separate self-identity needing to do this or that just you'll like it's literally as simple also as like when you go to like the fridge notice you like you walk to the fridge completely aware you know yet utterly ineffably transcended walking to the fridge 
you like you know you're following the script of opening the door to the fridge and looking inside but then all of a sudden you go and you just pivot your attention away from the action of what you were doing and for that moment you're just realized that full emptyfulness again and then you're back into the physical action of what you were doing at the fridge it's almost like you can take a moment like you're walking and then you just stop, like literally in the middle of the sidewalk, just a full 100% stop. And just, wow. And feeling into that empty fullness while you were doing the script of walking, you, you pause yourself fully, full stop. Stop describing, stop symbolizing, stop anything and just allow relax into that empty fullness and then you go back onto the walk and then eventually the walk becomes the empty fullness as well and so they don't become two things but at least to start it's really good to sort of like pause yourself repeatedly like do this style of pausing and realizing perpetually until it becomes your moment-to-moment -moment experience yeah cool all right, that's that was a two-hour absolute normie. Fuck yeah. Wait, wait, we gotta talk about self-inquiry really quick. Let's do it. Because we talk about vipassana with the sensation power. We, we talk about the do nothing meditation to access um, infinite awareness. But we have to talk about self-inquiry because I think that's actually the most effective way to get to the. Yes. The yet both of us have made plenty of content also on the specific topic itself. But yes, let's do it anyway. Oh, we, we we've talked about it before. Well, you and I have both made content about this. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we just mentioned it really Let's fast. do it fast. Yeah, yeah. So basically, self-inquiry is just to objectify everything until there's no subject. So whatever you can perceive, look at, observe, experience, you can objectify. So if you go through all the stages, at first you objectify the ego, and then you start to objectify the mind and consciousness and awareness and everything. And you objectify even this sense of no self. You objectify even emptiness because if there's an exterior, still an experience there, you can still objectify it. Once you objectify everything, then there's no room for the subject. And there's no room for the subject is very tricky. It's not like the subject is, it's, it's not nothingness either because that's still something. That's it. I won't go too deep in it because we talked about this before. You reminded me. so. Um, Another just sort of simple way is just asking who or what am I? And then you can sort of, if you, if you really like Bentinho has been really adamant about just getting people to go that I am God, just go all the way up to the absolute, go all the way there first and then see yourself the way that God sees you, see yourself the way that the absolute sees, see yourself the way that life sees itself and stop seeing yourself as a separate, finite, contracted entity trying to extract for your peace, happiness and safety and whatnot. And so if you do that process of who or what am I, you can sort of jump up to that level and then like fight off all of the person separate conditioning, which I've also found to be really just like fast, rapid. Um, stop taking 40 years, just fucking, you know, six months a year. Like we're gonna power through this much faster um, moving forward for. But, but then that, here's the thing though, uh, even abiding in the absolute or God, there's a, 
another step to disidentify from even that. So I think that point is very important because I think a lot of people miss that point. Is when you when you when you observe an observer, when you witness the witness, you're going to run to a wall. Or when you start to identify with the Godhead, you're looking at the world as the absolute. Before you completely dissolve, you can still disappear into the absolute. Disappear into the observer, where the observer, the observed, and an observing roll into one. So I think that little step right there, like this identification of even infinity. So you can disappear into infinity instead of being still a very subtle form of duality emerging where you still yeah. how to identify is a very important yeah. point to me. Yeah. yeah, cool. Cool. So let's wrap. Um, <clears throat> there's a bunch of comments. I love you all. Frank loves you all. We're super grateful for you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, fam. Yeah. Absolute normie fam. Fuck yeah. Infinite bra, eternal oh bra. God. Middle way bra, absolute normie bra. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the thing is, you guessed it. Yeah, I got the sound. Boom. And we have your questions that you've lined up for the AMA. We're going to get to that also. Um, so stay tuned. That will also be another separate episode. So thanks for submitting all your questions there. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Check out Frank's links in the bio below to his YouTube channel and his Instagram. He's constantly posting really good stories for you to check out um, that detail more of this out in, in depth. Also, his YouTube videos have been very profoundly awakening to many of us. So go and check those out, especially his most recent distillations have been great. He just, just published two very powerful recent videos. And subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Subscribe to Frank's channel if you haven't yet and share the video with people that you feel like this would powerfully resonate with and like the video as well. And that is all. I'm, I'm reading the comment, is that live? Yeah, we've been getting some live comments. All right, much love everyone. Much love everybody. Wait, so wait, the Q&A is not, we're not going to do it. We're going to do it on the other, on the second episode. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to record right now, right? We're going to end right now. Much love. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.